It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. They've got those four locations to serve you, three in Sevier County, and of course, their location in Knoxville on Kingston Pike, uh, off the West Hills exit there, just down from Westtown Mall, right across from Trader Joe's. And of course, you can always shop them online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubbs, glad to have you along on this Tuesday. There's plenty to get to in this podcast, a laundry list of things to discuss. The NFL draft is over. We'll hit on that a little bit. Uh, there's plenty of talk about NIL out there. We might touch on that just a bit. We'll talk a little bit about the Hoops roster. Tennessee's got the number one ranked team in baseball still after the Volunteers take the series over Auburn. We'll talk about that, and we'll start with a little Tennessee football recruiting news. Austin, as Tennessee, I won't say surprised by anybody that uh, they pick up a commitment uh, from an in-state prospect that the previous staff didn't think too highly of, and Andre Turrentine, but he's coming back home after leaving Ohio State. What do you make of Tennessee uh, getting Turrentine out of the transfer portal. What does it mean for Tennessee's roster? How big of a deal is this? Well, I think it's def- definitely it's big because it's depth. It's depth on the back end of the defense. Um, you know, you can play nickel, you can play safety, you can play either safety spot. And, uh, you know, I talked to a few people that cover Ohio State uh, last week. And, uh, you know, when I knew this was, you know, likely going to happen, and, and, you know, it just is simple was, you know, Andre was kind of buried. You know, they have, I think, one sixth-year guy, two five-year, fifth-year guys, um, a couple of four-year guys, all still in front of him. And, you know, he he had a nice spring game. You know, the the person I I talked to, you know, talked about, you know, hey, the staff actually really likes him. He's he's really come on. Um, They didn't necessarily really want to lose him. But, you know, the other guys in front of him, you know, just, you know, are, are just a little bit better and, and have, you know, a lot more seniority uh, than Andre does. So um, that's what happens when you stockpile talent. You eventually just lose some guys. And Ohio State loses Andre, and that's going to be Tennessee's gain. And, you know, we'll see where he fits in. Well, you know, can he beat out one of the two guys here at safety, or, or will he be Tennessee's nickel? And Rob, if you're a defensive back, why aren't you interested in coming to Tennessee? Two reasons. One, they've got depth issues. And two, Willie Martinez, five defensive backs drafted in the last two years, um, including Theo Jackson and Alante Taylor in this draft with the three from uh, UCF the previous year. Um, Got to be an appealing thought if you're a defensive back, whether you're a high school kid or a college transfer given what Willie Martinez is doing with guys in the draft these days. Of course, he has a history of that before the last couple of years, but he's been really successful with DBs in the draft. I know there's a lot of talk about Heartline and what he's done at Ohio State with the receivers, but give Willie Martinez some credit for what he's doing in developing defensive backs, apparently, with the NFL. Well, and Hubbard, I, I'll tell you what, why it's different than what Heartline has done is Heartline's taken five stars and turned them into first-round draft picks. Willie Martinez has taken, you know, a lot, or a lot, Taylor, who didn't want to play defense back and never played it before he got here, and you know, really wasn't his only coach. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt certainly uh, deserves some credit there too. But also Theo Jackson, 
had not played at all SEC level before this past year under Willie Martinez. Take it all the way back to Emmanuel Mosley and, um, you know, Cam Sutton, a, t- a two-star, a three-star. Um, you know, Justin Coleman had not played nickel back, got turned into that. And that's, you know, that's dialing it back. But the point being, he's got a track record that, you know, you can, you can point to. You could throw up on the dry erase board or, or, you know, build into a video package. And, you know, by this point in time, it's – it, it's not a fluke. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. And he's got a bunch of names and, and faces that he can point to. I mean, what Mosley and Coleman, how, how long have those two guys been in the NFL? Five, six years. At least they're getting pensions. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've done well. And and I wrote this on Saturday before uh, Tennessee finished with, with the draft picks they that they finished with on, on Saturday in terms of, um, you know, with, with Butler and with Cade and with Theo. But, I mean, this was a nice weekend for Josh Heupel, in my opinion, Austin, from a from a sales standpoint to recruits, from a continuing to drive home to his current locker room about if you invest in the program, you're going to get back out of the program because that's a solid draft day for Tennessee or draft weekend for Tennessee with, with five draft picks off of this roster um, that, that – Quite frankly, if it wasn't for the COVID year, I'm not sure how many of those guys would have been drafted, period. Yeah, I mean, they just can't t- continue to kind of grow and you know, continue to get better. They hung in there, especially Theo, um, just kind of hanging in there. Uh, Valus as well. Um, you know, if they don't get a little bit extra year and come back, you know, they're probably not drafted. You know, I mean, maybe they maybe they make, you know, they don't, you know it's kind of the old life finds a way on Jurassic Park. The NFL finds – find you you know they, they, they you know they don't matter where you play they'll find good players um you know but i think the opportunities there would have been much more minute and finite um you know had they not had that extra year and they took advantage of it again who, who takes advantage of some of these extra years you know across college football the next couple of years you know will be interesting to see because you know these guys you know at least a couple of them obviously did and you know the five is the most since 2017. Tennessee had six in 2017. They had six in 2007. This is the biggest year besides those since Philip Fulmer was patrolling the sidelines on a routine basis. That, that, you know, again, you know, I saw this debate on Twitter, the Jeremy guys, not Jeremy guys, who cares? I mean, like, you know, the, the, a couple of them were Butch guys. They continue to stick around and develop. A couple of them were Jeremy guys. Guess what? Couple of the Jeremy's best players during his last three years, or during his three years here, were what? They were Butch guys, right? I mean, you know, you look at you know Callaway, you look at you know you know Daryl Taylor, you look at Jawan Jennings, guys from the previous staff that you know kind of grew up a little bit under under Pruitt. These guys have grown up under Heupel and and, and kind of continued to develop, and uh, they took advantage of you know the extra year in some cases, in some cases not, but. You know, this is definitely a good sign for Tennessee, considering what they fifth in the conference um, with five. I think is that right, fifth or sixth? I mean, they're you know near the top third, which is you know pretty mind-boggling when you think about where this program was twelve months ago. Yeah, I mean, it's not what anybody. I don't think anybody thought that it would be that they would have that kind of success. And and uh, again, some of those guys, the system helped them. A lot of those guys just a buy-in. They had a great year and development there. I was talking to um, the, the Bears play-by-play guy over the weekend uh, about Valus Jones. He may walk into the best situation of anybody who was drafted 
Uh, there, there's not a, very they're not a very good receiving core. Right. There, there's a thought, Rob. He may be their number three receiver, pretty much out of the gate uh, for where they're at right now. Um, I, I think that is a great situation for him to land uh, where he was drafted in, in, in the third round. Uh, obviously, the Saints like Alante, and and we know that Matthew Butler what he can do, but. Out of all those guys in terms of opportunities, Valus Jones may have the most immediate opportunity of any of them because of the situation uh, that, that he was put in uh, with, with the team that drafted him. I just think, Rob, that it's a it's a big win for Josh Heupel in year one to, to, to get some notoriety on draft weekend. I, I think that's just a huge help in recruiting and a huge help to some guys returning on this roster who you're trying to get a better buy-in out of, you know, the Jalen Hyatts of the world. Right, and, and some of those DBs and some other guys on this roster, it, it has to, to to resonate in the locker room with guys as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I can't do anything but pile on, and I'm with you on on Velas because I mean, he not only does he roll into a thin wide receiving room in Chicago, but he rolls into a place where they are trying to do whatever they can to you know nurture a, a young quarterback with, with a lot of talent to get to them. I, I just being, being a part of that offense, I think you're going to be. You know, you're you're the, you're the focal point. It's all about Justin Fields. So if you're a wide receiver there, they, they're going to make sure that you have to or do what they can to make sure you had the tools to be a successful offense. But uh, yeah, I mean, AP rattled off the numbers about you know how how long it's been since they've had this many draft picks. And yeah, I mean, it's if if you're hypo, you can't say I recruited and I developed these guys. But you can say I put them. You know, these these were not guys that I recruited, and I put them in a system. I put them in a position to be successful to get noticed by the next level. And I, and I think one interesting thing, ever, I, don't, I mean, it's not been overwhelming, but we, we've heard some people be critical, like, you know, defensive linemen aren't, aren't going to want to come and play here. Defensive players aren't going to want to come and play here. They play so fast. You're going to be in the field so much. And then you see Elante get taken, you know, higher than probably just about anybody anticipated. And Matthew Butler, you know, get drafted as a guy who, you know, I, I would hazard to guess that his ability to show – just how many reps he could play and play at a high level. I, I, I don't know if it helped him, but I'm sure it didn't hurt him. Yeah, there's no doubt. I'm, the durability and, and the factor that he could, the fact that he could play that many snaps, I, I know resonated with everybody. And then obviously for Theo Jackson to land with the Titans, a great opportunity with him. We'll see. He'll have to work hard to earn, earn, earn a spot on that roster, but um We'll see where he lands, but certainly a, a, a really good opportunity and a great experience for him to get to be in his hometown uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Before we go any further, I do want to have a little bit of trivia with you guys. And if you already know the answer, just tell me. Um, but this got thrown at me the other night on draft night, and I was just shocked. Can you tell me the, the, the NFL franchise with the longest streak since last drafting – a quarterback in the first round. An NFL franchise who's not drafted a quarterback in the first round. Longest streak. The, the, the longest streak, yeah. How long is the streak, Hippie? Can you, can you give that hint? Uh, it's 50 years. 50 years without a first-round draft pick? That's a quarterback. Is it the Saints? Yes. Wow. 50 years. Archie Manning. Archie Manning was the last quarterback. And that's and hey, wild, isn't it? I mean, you know, you and know. hey, that's why the Saints aren't going to be very good this year because they don't have a quarterback because they didn't draft anybody to get ready under to, to learn under Drew Brees. And get but in that wild, though, I mean, 50 years, you know, there's always somebody you take a flyer on. I mean, look at the Packers take Jordan Love, even with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like, that's to me is just wild. 
Yeah, that is crazy. 50 years that the pack, that the, the Saints have not taken a first-round draft pick. Good trivia. I don't think I would have gotten Rob that. was what? Rob was one? Rob was one? Were you, were you, were you born? <laughs> yeah, it was one. Yeah. I was uh, no, that's what gave us, that, that made me think. I mean, I wouldn't have known it off the top of my head, but that 50 years made me think of Archie Manning. Yeah. By the way, 17 receivers taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Running backs – Value is not what it once was. It's all about the receiver game and, and, the, and the spread attacks uh, playing an open space in the NFL. 17 wide receivers taken in the first three rounds of this year's NFL draft. Which is why if you're Tony Rojas, you'd much rather play linebacker than running back. Or if you're Cam Seldon, you'd rather play receiver than running back. Yeah, because the value is different. I mean, yeah. it's just with where the NFL game is right now. All right, speaking of those two names, you mentioned a couple of recruiting names. Let's jump back to recruiting a second. Anything else of note to keep an eye on? Anything on the horizon before or, you know, Tennessee has their big uh, weekend, the holiday weekend at the, at the end of this month? Will there be official visitors before then, Austin? Or do you think that will really kick the visit cycle off for Tennessee, both officially and unofficially, as you head into the summer months? Well, uh, you know, like Roderick Robinson, the San, San Diego tailback, although he's, you know, really not from San Diego. He's kind of a military kid that's bounced around some. Um, I think he's coming in this weekend. Um, okay. You know, we expect news, you know, on Brew McCoy, you know, soon, soon. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean, I think the, the, the news will be much more a slow trickle in May than it was in, you know, a steady, you know, steady stream in, in the month of April. Um, we'll be interested to see what, like, Brandon Strozier does. Does he do something towards the, you know, middle to latter part of the month? What about Cameron Selden? That's another, someone else who, you know, potentially could do something later in the month, or does he push it back into June and take more visits? We'll see. But, I mean, again, this month's, you know, bound to be a little slower than the month of April was. All right. Um, on the transfer portal front, anything other than Brew McCoy in terms of, I mean, I, I know the deadline, the May one deadline is hit. It seems like it's trickling down to a to to a real slow drip at best at this point in the transfer portal. Anything else you see potentially out there for Tennessee other than Brew McCoy? No, uh, I'm saying I, mean, I, I, I feel know. the same way. Not to say that there's not somebody that's got, something's going to pop up. But I, I think I, like I see them. I, I can see them adding like one more person, and I'm not throwing out. I mean, like I don't even know a name. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure there's somebody out there that you know Tennessee's going to double back to. But like any of the really good players, again, you know, they're they already kind of know where they're going before they hit the portal or right as they hit the portal. Um, it's just you know that's just kind of the way of the world. I mean, so many. So many former seven-on-seven coaches, former high school coaches, parents or whatever are kind of already working things behind the scenes before a kid ever goes in the portal. And a lot of things are decided upon, you know, even if it's even if it's not really tampering. Like, let's say a kid just says, hey, I'm going to go in the portal. It's just not working out at school X. Like, before he ever technically hits it, people are making phone calls on that kid's behalf to other schools. And so, like, even if even if schools are not, like, technically, like, really tampering there's some kind of gray area there where like it just a if you you're in it before the kid hits the portal or you know most of the time the kids that don't have a plan you probably don't want yeah i mean i, I think that you know nobody's going into the portal rob i don't think just completely blind to what opportunities are going to present themselves you know maybe they're not that maybe they don't know their top three maybe they don't know their top five 
but but they have an idea of who has interest in them before they ever hit the portal. Uh, otherwise, some of those guys would never hit the portal. I mean, I just think that's the way of the world. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't I, I think it's all pretty calculated. Like AP said, they've they've got resources that they're using, whether it's a former high school coach, a seven on seven coach, or or you know former teammates that they played with that are now at, you know at different schools. I, I don't think you see kids have a bad practice or not get to play at a game and decide, hey, I'm out of here. I mean, there might be some people thinking that, but I don't, I don't think that guys are going to the portal because of that. I mean, I think it's pretty, as AP alluded, I think there's some discussion going on before that decision is made and the paperwork is filled out. Uh, speaking of filling out a roster, filling out, trying to fill out a roster, that's what Rick Barnes is trying to do with his basketball team, uh, Rob, that they had Tyrese Hunter in o- over the weekend, recruiting a couple of high school kids and Julian Phillips and, uh, they, they've offered the, the, the kid that Zokai, that Zakai knows, uh, Toby uh, Awaka, I guess is how you pronounce that. We see Frankie Collins, the Michigan uh, backup point guard, go into the portal. Uh, Tennessee has been mentioned with him uh, by Kristen Peak of Yahoo and Rivals and, and some other people out there as well. Uh, Isaiah Mosley from Missouri State is a highly productive 6'5 wing that went in the portal Monday afternoon right before we taped this. I mean, Tennessee, I don't know that Tennessee's involved with Bosley, but but Tennessee seems to be involved with, with or trying to be involved with some stuff here. Uh, what, what do you make of what this roster, can, what kind of shape do you think it can, not names, but what kind of shape do you think it can take in, in terms of 1st of June and, and, and being here maybe for the start of summer school? What's realistic? I mean, I, I would think Collins would be realistic time-wise, but that's just to the emphasis. You know, I mean, Tyrese Hunter is obviously, I, th- I think, the biggest name out there. You had a chance to talk to him this weekend. You know, I'm not saying that Tennessee's not going to get him. I don't love the fact that they got the first – was the second visit, excuse me. He saw Purdue already. Um, and then he's still got, you know, Kansas to come, Texas to come. I, again, Tennessee may end up with that one. I don't I don't love the timing of that visit. Um, I, th- I think adding a point guard is, is kind of a priority. I mean, you've seen Santiago play there before. You've seen Josiah play there before, and they can handle that in a pinch. But I think after you watch this last season, just about everybody would agree that those guys are better where you can play them off the ball and um, you know, not saddle them with being your primary ball handler, facilitator on offense. I think they'd love to have somebody to go with Zakai. But I also think Zakai's presence here probably makes Tennessee less attractive. Than, than some other places. I mean, he's he's a dude that you know proved himself time and again, and uh, just kept earning more opportunities. But I, I think they'd love to have a add a point guard. I think they need to add a point guard, and um, I, I certainly think adding you know some quality size would would be a priority as well. Looking at the transfer portal, not sure that's out there. We've been saying for a few weeks now we wouldn't be surprised to see an inter- international guy that nobody's ever heard of before pop up on the radar sometime this summer. The, the Julian Phillips thing seems a little, I mean, it seems like it's Tennessee Auburn, but it just doesn't seem like, it just seems like that one's kind of festering in the water a little bit, Rob. It, it doesn't, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it goes, something goes down with him tomorrow with the school, but it doesn't feel like that's the case right now. It just feels yeah. like that one's just kind of hanging around out there. I mean, I, I said from day one, I thought if it went quick, if it was good for Tennessee and if it, you know, if his decision lingered, it you know probably wasn't a positive, and again, I, I'm not. I'm with you, Hubbard. He he could announce for Tennessee tomorrow, but picking Tennessee would have been easy, based off 
you know, everything, you know, he'd, he'd been here on a visit. He had a long-standing relationship with Justin Ganey. He knew the coaching staff. He, you know, he had done his research and, you know, knew the roster. Just If he wanted to pick Tennessee, I, I think that that would have been a very easy decision for him to make six weeks ago. You know, he, he hasn't done that. It's all, you know, it's almost like he's, you know, looking for something else. Now, again, maybe he doesn't find anything else that, that he feels is a better fit than here, but he is certainly entertaining the possibility. You know, he's entertaining a lot of possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he does. And, again, I mean, who else comes in? I mean, there's uh, – what's his name? I, um, Isaac like Keeley uh, from, from Oklahoma State. That's a guy in the transfer portal that – Maybe there's some interest there. Uh, we'll see. I think the bigger question is who do they get on on campus before you start rattling off who they're in great shape with or who they're a real factor with. The next step is who who visits. Because, Rob, I don't see Rick Barnes and his staff making any decision on a transfer guy until after they take a visit here. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, don't, I don't think Rick Barnes and his staff are going to take a transfer sight unseen, so to speak. They're going to want to visit with him in time with him. I totally agree, one hundred percent. So, and, and right now, that that one guy that's out there is Tyrese Hunter. Yep, and um, Hunter's got visits, and he's clearly not in a hurry to, not in a big hurry to make a decision, and, and he's going to make a a business decision after seeing, you know, a couple other schools: Gonzaga, Texas, Kansas, with Kansas likely to be the last visit. Nice kid, uh, loves Rick Barnes, likes what his program stands for. Says NIL is not a factor. You know, we'll see how all that shakes out when when he gets to the finish line. Uh, and it's time to, to make a decision there. So we'll continue to follow plenty of basketball. We'll keep you up to date on, on kind of uh, who's visiting next, who's not visiting, and, and what that looks like. Uh, we'll obviously continue to follow Tennessee football recruiting as well, and then we'll follow this Tennessee baseball team. Ben Joyce, the talk of college baseball after the weekend he had. I, I love Tony Vitello's quote, you know, that he made him look stupid, <laughs> you know, and, and we'll see. Do they play Ben Joyce in the closer role? Um, it's crazy to think, Rob, that, that this baseball team seems to be gaining in options as the season progresses, not dwindling in options. They seem to be, as the year goes along, there seem to be more weapons coming about for this team as opposed to narrowing down your roster and, and, and who your options are as you get closer to tournament play. Credit to the development of this player and the talent on this roster. And that was, I mean, as good as Tennessee had had it going last year, as fun as they were to watch late, it was all, you know, the pitching was always kind of the elephant in the room. I mean, you, I mean, going to Birmingham to the SEC tournament, that was kind of, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? It was certainly part of the conversation before they went to Omaha or, you know, when they were the, in the regionals. And this year, I mean, if, I mean, it seems like a strict. I mean, it seems like Tennessee is set up to do what teams did to them last year, which is to, you know, feast on – on that in-between day, that one game, when you, that one bridge game when you were trying to, you know, just cobble something together. I mean, Tennessee's going to be coming to, coming at teams from a position of strength in those situations this year. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're amazing to me, Austin. I mean, the more you watch them, it's just the more they, they keep finding. And, again, Redmond Washer is going to be their closer, but now if Ben Joyce is out there, maybe Redmond Washer is a one-inning guy only instead of trying to pitch him two innings where people can get a beat on him. I mean, you just got a lot of more options. If Joyce, who gave you four great innings on Sunday against Auburn, if that's where he's going with his game, suddenly now you're just trying to get a starter to get you to the fifth inning. If you can get to the fifth inning with your starter, 
I don't care what tournament you're in, you've got enough weapons on the back end to get you to the finish line. Well, especially on a Sunday. Like, I mean, like, you know, yesterday there was no game four. There was no game five. That was it. So, you know, once Joyce hadn't pitched the first two nights, you know, it was, you know, Katie barred the door. He came in and, you know, Tony would have been foolish to take him out, you know, I mean, and, and give the ball to Redmond Walsh. One, Walsh had just give up the big home run the night before um, and, and blew the save and what would have been, you know, a game two win. And, and three, I mean, it's just a, a different level. I mean, like he is just throwing gas. Now, I think there is a nice end of the yang there because Walsh has got some filthy, filthy stuff that's that's obviously off speed. And then, you know, everything's off speed with Revan Walsh, whereas you just have straight gas, you know, from, from Ben Joyce. And uh, I, I just kept thinking the whole time yesterday, I was like, when he was facing Sonny Deshera, I was like, this is like when, you know, Henry Rowan Gardner faced the guy from the Mets and, and rookie. You love that movie. You I, love I that mean, movie. like, because it's, I mean, like, look, it's much more, it's much more like, like uh, Ricky Vaughn throwing out of the bullpen, throwing straight gas at the end, power on power. Well, yeah, versus the end of the movie where he has to float it. But when, I don't know when Rowan Gardner is throwing heat at the beginning, but yes, I agree. I mean, let's put it this way. David Keith is no Sunday this year. <laughs> yeah, and they were not, he was not touching it with the way Ben Joyce was throwing it yesterday. Terrific close in a, in a game that Tennessee obviously needed to win to win the series. Now the Volunteers jump into the Thursday, Friday, Saturday routine here uh, before they head into uh, the SEC tournament in Hoover. So we'll see how Tony uh, Vitello elects to manage his starting rotation. How does he adjust that with the fact that they're going to play three straight weekend series Thursday, Friday, Saturday for the first time this season instead of the traditional Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll look at that. Uh, ben will have all that covered for you. We'll have plenty of football, basketball covered for you as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics FallQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.